Right. So I want to draw your attention to verse 1 of Acts chapter 15. And it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So we're going to continue this series, Reviving Old Disputes. And this morning we're going to be looking at the dispute of work salvation. And let me tell you something about this dispute. It's always been around and it's never going to go away. It will never, ever go away. It will always be here. It's even going to be here in the millennial kingdom when you're going to have some people that got a hold of Peter Ruckman's books and they're teaching another dispensation and it's work salvation time. It's, this is going to always be as long as there is sinful man on this earth and it's never going to go away. But understand that it gets repackaged all the time. It's always getting repackaged. People are finding new ways to kind of promote this idea and it's something that they were fighting here. And this whole chapter is pretty much about a fight and a dispute about this idea of work salvation. Now, the thing that you need to get about this, because we all know, hey, you know, at this church, this has been settled. We know no works are required for salvation. But I do think it's important that we understand exactly what they were arguing about then and exactly what works they were talking about then. Because I've had some people tell me, when I've been arguing with them about a salvation without works, and I'll use, you know, verses even from Galatians or something about it, and they'll say, well, you don't understand. You know, back then, they were, you know, the dispute wasn't about, you know, being a good person or church attendance or baptism, but it was about circumcision for salvation. And the truth is, I don't know of any Christians today that teach that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. But... If you teach any works, then you know what? It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And so let's look at some things because I think when we study this dispute that they had going on, we see exactly what was happening back then. You know, we'll find out that, yes, it is just as wrong today, no matter what way it's repackaged, to when you add any works to part as a way of salvation, you are wrong, you are in heresy. And so let's look at some things and hopefully we can learn some things because again nobody's really pushing circumcision but they did it back then because these were people who were jews they came from a jewish background and so they brought some of that Jew tried bringing some of that judaism with them today in america you know we have a history of being a more christian country there's a lot of christian things in our culture so it's not uncommon for uh an american christian church to start saying, hey, except ye repent of this sin, except ye get rid of that sin, ye cannot be saved. Except ye get baptized, you cannot be saved. Except, you know, and they, they come up with their own form of work salvation, but nobody's going to bring up circumcision. Not in America, you know, not in this culture, but however they package it, understand it is the same thing. And it is false. It is, it is a false gospel. So, Let's get this principle, though, so we don't fall for any form of work salvation. So uh, understand, though, because when you see this, too, at the beginning of this chapter, it's like, wait a minute. If this is the church, if this is saved people, if the apostles are the one that started this, what in the world are they even doing having a dispute about this? I mean, you and I today, if we saw a church just even questioning and entertaining the idea of works for salvation, we'd just declare them all unsaved, wouldn't we? I mean, how could that be? How could that happen? How could a church, 
I mean, how could anybody that's saved even be questioning these things? But we've got to understand, they didn't have all the scriptures yet, like we do. There was going to be problems in these churches that were pretty extreme. Imagine today if churches ran without a Bible. Now, we're getting a glimpse of it today by churches who are using just perversions of the Bible. Look what happens in churches when you just start messing with the Scripture, how far off the deep end they go. Imagine if you didn't have a book that you could carry with you, if you didn't have a book that you could take home with you and read and study for yourself, can you imagine what kind of heresies might creep into this church or what kind of practices might end up in this church? And understand when people get saved out there, if they don't get in the scriptures, they could get into some pretty serious heresies because heresies are a work of the flesh and they're still saved. But, you know, understand when you get involved in heresies, you will be completely fruitless as a Christian. You'll still be saved. But if you get involved in certain heresies, you won't bear any fruit. So this is serious. You know, we want to have our doctrine right because we want to be good fruit-bearing Christians. And so I think we take a lot of these problems for granted because thankfully guys like the Apostle Paul, they nipped a lot of these things early on. And understand too, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, the things that Paul used to prove the salvation that we teach today was from the Old Testament. Now it's laid out so much plainer, clearer, and simpler in the New Testament but all these writings that we have in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul straightening these things out was him preaching from the Old Testament. So these people should have been able to figure it out. And guess what? Many of them did. But it is easier for us today. So let's not get all high and mighty because we don't get caught up in some of these things. We could if we got in the flesh and we definitely could if we didn't have the scriptures. And verse 3 says, And they brought on their way by the church. They passed through Phoenice, Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it is needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay? Now, you and I, we'd say, not saved if we heard that type of thing. And understand, that is a great heresy. To say something like that. That is a great heresy. And it does, it blows our mind to even think that this question would come up in a church of saved people. But again, saved people can become pretty mixed up in doctrine, especially back then. Second Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through the subtlety, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might be well bear with them. So understand, while saved people may have some pretty serious issues, these things should be less likely today because we have the completed scriptures. Okay? You know, again, it was happening bad in Paul's day. But I do believe God expects more from us today. Just like God expected more when Paul was talking to those people at Mars Hill, 
You know, where, you know, at the time of the ignorance, talking about idolatry, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You know, they reached a time when the gospel had got to the whole world where God did not look, you know, God wasn't over, going to overlook so much that idolatry anymore. These people knew better. And understand today, I do believe it's a bigger problem if these kind of heresies get into a church because we have the completed scriptures. And while God might have showed a lot of grace and mercy on these people back then, I don't think he's going to as so much with us today if we start allowing this kind of teaching to creep into our church and we get corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Just because something's theoretically possible, you know, doesn't mean that it's real likely. It's probably, you know, and, but if it does happen, I believe God's going to come down on us hard. And either way, here's the problem that a lot of people have. They're always trying to, you know, be a hundred percent certain on how we can nail down who's saved and who's not saved. And understand, we can never, we will never be 100% on naming who's saved and who isn't. But, you know, we should never be surprised when a large number of people that we think are saved might get into the flesh and get caught up in really bad doctrine. If heresies is a work of the flesh, then if we're not walking in the Spirit, we'll fulfill the lust of the flesh. And some really bad things might come out of our mouths and some really bad things might be preached. At the end of the day, it's not always so cut and dry who's saved and who's not saved. It, it Sometimes heresy just creeps in. And when heresy creeps in, mark it down, we will not bear any fruit. We might be in here, and I hope we are in here today, 100% saved. I hope 100% of us in here are saved. But if we are in here, uh, all of us are saved. If we start adopting heresy in this church, we will not lose our salvation, but we're not going to get anybody else saved. We're not going to bear any fruit at all. So we got to watch out for this kind of thing. And I say all that because it's important if we're just going to get all dogmatic that, hey, if there's if somebody's even struggling in some doctrine that they're not saved, then understand these people, nobody in these churches were saved back then because there was some pretty serious heresy going on. But they, they dealt with it. They got it right. One of our problems is we don't give anybody a chance to get anything right. And we and sometimes it takes time for people to get things right. And it took a lot. I mean, they disputed this a lot. Acts 15 isn't the only place where you can go and find this kind of dispute going on. This was a constant battle. It's always going to be around. So look at verse 6. So it says, And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this matter. What is there to consider? You know, imagine if we got to, you know, if I said, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to get together with a bunch of my preacher friends. You know, we've been hearing some heresies that are out there, you know, on things like the Trinity, on things like salvation by grace through faith, you know, and you know what? We need to figure out if this is right or wrong. Hey, we got this fit nailed down by now. Y'all understand this? Back then, you know, it's understandable that they needed to do these things. This, things were just getting started. They didn't have the scriptures like we do today. By now, though, okay, this is not an excuse for us to get an IFB council together, you know, figuring all these things out. We ought to have this nailed down by now. Okay, We ought to have this nailed down. But the thing is, if we saw a group of people doing this kind of thing today, we would think, man, none of them are saved. Okay? If they even have to wonder about this and we might be right because we do have the scriptures but be careful about where you get dogmatic on things because again i mean they've got a real dispute going with a bunch of i mean some of the greatest christians ever together but they got it right you know they got it right and so it says in verse seven and when there had been much disputing 
You know what that tells me? Not everyone was agreeing. That tells me some people are saying, no, you have to get circumcised. You have to keep the law of Moses. And the Bible doesn't tell us what all went on in this conversation. But, you know, this is what I picture happening in this conversation. It's probably like the ones today when one of these guys got up and said, no, the circumcision still applies. And then somebody probably else said, well, if the circumcision still applies, then what about all these other commands in the scriptures? Hey, if we must keep the law of Moses, here's the question. How much of the law of Moses do we need to keep? These are the kind of things that are coming up. And there's much disputing. And Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Okay, And understand, when they talked about Jews versus Gentiles, that was more than them just talking about bloodlines. It was a way of life. Because the Gentile way of life was very sinful compared to the Jews. Now, that we know the Jews were sinners too. But there was clearly a difference in morality between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was a lot of things. There was a lot of differences culturally between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews constantly thought that because they did certain things or didn't do certain things... That somehow earned them some extra standing with God. But here they are coming across Gentiles who are involved in all kinds of terrible things, who are not circumcised. And these people are believing and they're getting saved. And God's giving them the Holy Ghost exactly the way he did the Jews. And Peter's saying, hey, we're seeing how God purified their hearts by faith. And he put no difference between us and them. God doesn't have a Jew and a Gentile. When it comes to this thing of salvation, it's the exact same thing. But understand, there was a question about it before this. And there's a dispute going on. And so look at what he says. He says, now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You know what the the apostle Peter understood, even though he's not the one that wrote it? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He was in agreement with the apostle Paul on that. He knew the verse from Psalms that Paul wrote in Romans 3.10 where it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Apostle Peter figured out that, you know what, while these Gentiles are really, really bad, we're bad too. We come short of the glory of God. No Jew ever kept the law of God except for Jesus Christ. And why are we going to put a burden on them? Why are we going to ask them to do something that we can't do and we never have done? Because isn't that what Jesus preached to the Pharisees. He talked about the heavy burdens that they were putting on the people, yet they weren't bearing those things themselves. The Pharisees weren't living up to their own standards that they were putting on the people. And Jesus preached about that. And Peter's preaching the same thing right here. And he's saying, God put no difference between them. And so no one is capable of keeping the law and to lighten up on the law. Now get this, to lighten up on the law at all is to take away from the holiness of God. Understand, that Old Testament law, it reveals to us how holy God is and how sinful we are. And for us to get up and to say in any way, shape, or form that we are keeping the law of God is to take away from God's holiness. I mean, let's just get honest. Let's just pick on Austin since he's sitting close to the front right there. I mean, listen, if that... If his life, and I, you know, I think he's a good guy according to our standards and living a good life. But you know what? 
if his life is an example of the holiness of God, then God's not very holy, is he? If his life is an example of righteousness, then God's not that righteous, is he? Because his righteousness is his filthy rags. That's what, that's what the Old Testament shows us. That's what the Old Testament teaches us. And so for us, though, because now the thing is, if we're going to succeed in having a church and getting people to want to keep coming, we've got to make them think they've achieved something somehow, right? And so if we're teaching a work salvation, we've got to come up with something that's attainable, right? And, you know, they were just saying here specifically the circumcision. Well, you know, that can be done. But again, what about all the other laws? If we just cast those out and we just focus on one, we are taking away from the holiness of God. And this is why salvation must be free. This is why once saved, always saved, must be true. Anything less would diminish from what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's what we've got to understand. See, it says in Acts 15, 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So salvation must be the same for the Jews and Gentiles because one is not better than the other in the eyes of God. So salvation has to be completely free. God, ha we, we have to be guilty of all of the law because of the fact that otherwise there is, there's some, you know, some focus, some glory would go to us if we're doing anything, if we're accomplishing anything. So salvation has to be completely free. That's the only way Jesus Christ gets all the glory for it. Salvation must be permanent. If there's something that we do to keep that salvation, that takes away from Jesus Christ. We have all focus has to be on him. All glory has to be to him. And therefore, the only way that can be done is if salvation is completely free. And if it's once saved, always saved. And so once we start adding works to the to our salvation, we take away from the gospel. We take away from Jesus Christ that and we can't do that. Now, jump down to verse 22. So it says, then pleased that the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, named Barsabas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. For as much as ye have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandments. Notice a few things about this. First off, this teaching that you have to keep the law, he says, is troubling you. You know why? Because if I have to keep this law in order to be saved, I'm very troubled, folks. I'm scared. You know why? Because I'm honest and I'm not crazy enough to think that I can keep that. And therefore, I'm scared. Also, if I'm a Gentile Okay, if I'm a Gentile during that time and I find out I have to go get circumcised in order to go to heaven, I'm going to be troubled by that. So they were they, they were they were very troubled by hearing this. But notice also it says in the it says that certain which went out from us have troubled you. OK, now I could be wrong on this, but I wonder if this is related to they went out from us, but they were not of us. Okay, These people that, you know. But became the synagogue of Satan. 
They, these anti, these were the antichrist Jews. You know why? Because that kind of teaching, while people might get confused by it, and a, and a lot of state people get confused by false doctrine, understand there's some doctrines, if they're not going to get it right, if they're not going to get it corrected, it's probably because they're not saved and it's only a matter of time and they're gone. And the ones who are truly saved, they got right on these things. The ones who are lost, they departed. And they left and they did their own thing. It says also that these words that they troubled, with, troubled them with subverted their souls. You know why? Because if you teach people that you have to do any works to be saved, you're going to destroy your soul, their soul. They will not be saved. And so he says, they, these people that are telling you this, troubling you, subverting your souls, telling you you must be circumcised and keep the law. He said, we gave no such commandment. These people aren't from us. Okay? We never told them to teach you this kind of thing. And if a person believes or does any works to save themselves, they will lose their own soul. So verse 25, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, uh, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. Now let me ask you, why did he tell them to do these things? Okay, why? Because he's telling them, okay, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. But then he goes on to tell them that you must abstain from meats offered to idols, from things strangled, from blood, from fornication. So is this something that a person has to do in order to be saved? Is Are these some works that they're adding to salvation? And the truth is, no, that's not it. And we don't have time to go into this. But one the reason they told this is because they're talking to a church and a church needs to have a good testimony. There is certain behavior that should not be going on in a church. And if we have a church full of believers, especially too, all over the world where they said later when they gave these commands, we're not going to go to this passage, we don't have time. They said for Moses hath of old time them in every city which preach him. If they would have been as Gentile believers, eating blood, eating things strangled, committing fornication, this would be very offensive to the Jewish believers that were there. Okay, so for example, uh, you know, how many in here grew up in a Christian home, grew up in church? All right, if that's you, all right, you know, several people grew up in a Christian home. So, you know, there's certain things that are very offensive to us. You know, fornication is a really big deal to us. You know, that, now, to the world, they think nothing of it. Okay? To the world, that's completely normal for people to sleep together outside of marriage, but for us, that's a pretty big deal. And so if we, have, if we have people coming into this church, even if they're saved and they're living in that kind of life, lifestyle, that is, that's offensive. That, you know, and, it's, and it is wrong. And there are certain things that the Scriptures command that should not be once named among us that become, has become a saint. And we should put people out of the church if they're doing some of these things. So understand, these commands that they gave them these were not commands so they would be saved. They've already established that salvation is not by works, but this is for what they should practice as a church. And he told them, you don't have to practice circumcision, but here's some things we want you to do, or some things we want you to 
abstain from and because they didn't want them being an offense to the Jews. And I don't have time to go into all the scriptures to help, to help prove that point. But I just don't want anybody to get confused by this or to, you know, for some work salvation person to say that, no, when they're talking about work salvation, specifically talking about the works of the law, therefore Old Testament customs like circumcision. No, any works, okay, even things that we just do as Baptists that are good, okay, or things that we tell you you shouldn't do that are bad. If we are making these things a requirement for salvation, we're doing the same thing that they did back then. It's just repackaged. That's all, that's all it is. So look at verse 30. It says, So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And I love this. Now, this is my opinion because the Bible doesn't tell us what they said here. But I believe this based on the epistles of Paul. Because, for example... The book of Galatians, we don't have time to go into that. The book of Galatians is basically Paul, you know, confirming these words that we're seeing here in Acts 15. He's making it clear from the Old Testament that salvation is not through the works of the law. That's what he's doing in the book of Romans is he's dealing with these things. He's preaching the Old Testament to them, showing how salvation is not of works. He's making that he's making that very clear. And what I personally believe they did when they got this letter from them, telling them, "Hey, good news," and we're sending multiple witnesses to let you know this: you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. They're all excited about this. And then not only that, these guys when they brought that letter, they also confirmed the words because these guys were prophets and they started preaching to them. And in my opinion, I think they went to Psalms and said, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I personally believe they went and said, not only is this what these guys said, but this lines up with the Old Testament. This lines up with the word of God and they confirmed them. They let them know this is in fact true based on what the apostles said, we are the witnesses that they have given this command and the scriptures back it up. And that's what we should always do. We should always back these things up with the scriptures. And so I believe this confirmation of these words was them preaching from the Old Testament. So here's the question. All right. Were all these people really saved who were waiting for this news? Or did they get saved after they received the news? Now, I think, I think we all would agree. They were already saved, weren't they? Okay. They were already saved. But get this, because now we don't know how much time's passed here, but I'm sure back then, you know, it was probably a probably good amount of time. They didn't have, you know, uh, internet. They didn't have even mail that was as fast as it is today. You know, this kind of thing is going to take time. So think about it. They got a dispute going on. And it gets to the apostles. The apostles are able, you know, it's going to take some time for them to get together, to come to Jerusalem, to talk about these things, and then to send the information back to these churches. And so these churches are, think about it, they're sitting around waiting, wondering, do we have to be circumcised to get saved? And you and I, we would all think if there's a church wondering about that, we would wonder if they were even saved in the first place. 
But we, again, we have to understand just how little these people had to go on. And the same thing applies today with people, when we're out soul winning, when we reach people with the gospel and they believe the word and they get saved, understand that we're not always leaving them with a whole lot of information. I mean, we can leave them a Bible, but imagine what you would do if you've never read a Bible before and you get saved and then someone just hands you a Bible and says, all right, now figure everything out. Doctrinally, you'd be like, and then you start in Genesis and you, know, and you might learn a few things in Genesis, but then all of a sudden you get later into Exodus, you're just going to be like, I give up. You know, y'all understand this is why we need the church. Y'all understand this is why the church is so important. This is why people who get saved, they're still saved, but if they don't ever get into a church, they're not going to be productive Christians. And, you know, <clears throat> this is my opinion, but I imagine during this time, while they were waiting for this consolation, while they're waiting for these answers, they probably weren't getting a whole lot done during that time. You know, they needed somebody to come to them and to prove some things and to teach them some things. And, you know, and I'm sure in their hearts, they're, I'm sure in their hearts they're thinking, this can't be right. There's no way we have to get circumcised. I don't want to get circumcised. But again, they can't defend these things with the scriptures. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, what in the world do you think a bunch of Gentiles were going to do, especially during that time? You know, when they don't have a copy of the scriptures, when they've not been taught the things of God, but the gospel has been preached to them, and then now they're hearing this kind of stuff, and, and we need to understand people can get caught up into some pretty bad things. I mean, a lot of people that we get saved, who knows, they might end up in some, you know, well, you know, let's go try church, and they might forget about our church, they might lose our church information or something, and then just go to some random church somewhere that preaches garbage. They can get caught up in some pretty bad things. And this is why it's so important that we do whatever we can do to, you know, to not just reach these people with the gospel, but then to try to teach them the scriptures because we want them, you know, we want these people to be productive Christians. And so I, and this is also my opinion too, I'm speculating just based on, you know, different things. But I imagine whenever they finally came back and they told these people these words and Bible says they rejoice, it was consolation, it was comforting for them. I imagine then all of a sudden they probably started getting stuff done. That's probably when they actually became fruitful, but they were already, they were already saved. It, that, that never changed. And so you need to understand because when it comes to salvation, that it is, it's a faith thing, isn't it? It's not works. It never was about works. Whether it was a kind of sacrifice they offered, it was never about works. It was always about faith. And so the thing is, if we are just repackaging these things today, if we're saying that salvation is through baptism in the water, how is that different than teaching circumcision? I get it. Baptizing in the water is easier, but it's still a work, isn't it? Going to church, it's, you know, it's a work. You know, these things, you know, uh, you know, having some level of goodness, some level of morality, these things are all works and they don't require faith. The, those are works. And so no matter which way you package it, it's the same thing. And so, this, you know, this message is kind of a two-parter. It, and it's because um, all these things I'm saying, somebody who just listens to this message you know, there's gonna, there could be several questions, some, you know, objections 
that you might have that we can't obviously cover in one message. But the thing is, we're going to show how Paul, he constantly dealt with this type of thing. I mean, constantly. And we do. We constantly deal with the same kind of thing today. People who are in Christian churches, yet they still think, you know, you got to do something. You You can't just, you know, get saved and live how you want to. You've got to turn from your sins. You know, and then, and this is what even Baptists are saying is they'll say, there's got to be some repentance is what they'll say. There's got to be some repentance. And we believe in repentance, but we believe in biblical repentance. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at how this teaching of free salvation, it caused people to hurl false accusations at them, which is exactly what we deal with today. They would throw accusations at them about what they really believed and it's the same thing that's happening today when it comes to the battle of repentance. When it comes to what that means, what and you know what kind of repentance is required for salvation, when you teach things the way we do, that is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, when it's repent of your unbelief and have faith in Jesus Christ, and when it is not turning from your sins or turning over a new leaf, things like that. When we when we say these things, we get accused of a lot of stuff. And understand, it, it creates disputes. It causes conflict. And, and listen, good people can get confused on this stuff. That's what we see going on here. Good people got confused on some of these things. I believe at the end of the day, good people will get these things right. I think we've seen, I think, uh, you know, examples that we've seen just in recent history when it comes to things like the King James Bible issue. Okay. These other versions, you know, it was something that crept in. Okay, all false doctrine, it's it creeps in. But you know, eventually it did. It became a dispute. And did you know that there were good saved people that were on the wrong side of the dispute for a while? But eventually they got on board. Eventually they got it right. And now a lot of I think for the most part. You know, the dispute is out there. It's been dealt with. It's been proven. I mean, in a zillion different ways. And, you know, today I would be, le- I would be less likely to think someone is saved today who doubts the inspiration of the scriptures and the preservation of the scriptures. I would be less likely to think they're saved today. But, you know, there are people who have grown up in churches, you know, maybe some Southern Baptist church that hasn't taught them a whole lot that they've never even been introduced. To this conflict, you know, they're saved. And so at the end of the day, the point I want to make to you is that people you can you're going to find people all the time that currently in the state that they're in, they are on the wrong side of the issue. But what we need to do is not be too quick to just declare them unsaved. But, you know, what we need to do. We need to reach out to them and try to show them the truth. And I believe those who are really of God and those who are really saved will eventually come around. And it will help if you have a good testimony. It will help if you're not automatically declaring somebody who's unsaved or who's saved unsaved. You know, and calling them names and all these kind of things. They will eventually come around because you got to understand too, a lot of these people when it comes to things like what we teach, they're hearing the lies that are being told out there. They're hearing the things that are being slanderously reported about what we believe. And so this message I just preached today, 
uh, you know, showing work salvation is false. Okay? Understand that it will bring accusations to our church. And it's the same accusations they had back then. And I'm going to show you tonight. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off and show where the Apostle Paul got accused of exactly what we are being accused of. I'm telling you, in Paul's day, they had the trendies and they had the self-righteous IFB crowd that thinks they have repented of their sins. And then you had the Apostle Paul, you know, who's got things right and he's being lied about and misrepresented by both groups on both sides. And we are right there today. We are right there today where it's like we're, we're in between Pastor Skinny Jeans and Pastor Old Time Religion. And I'm telling, when you, when I show you, it's just, it's just amazing how things just don't change. And if we go back and we look at these disputes and we see what was going on, what they were dealing with, it, it really does help give us some insight into what those scriptures mean exactly. And it, it proves we're right and it helps us get our context right. And it shows how, how things just never change. And the devil will never, he will never stop. He will never stop with this kind of thing because work salvation, it will always, always send you to hell. Every single time, no matter how it's packaged. And so that's why we just need to keep preaching free salvation, grace through faith, not of works. It's a gift. We've got to keep putting that out there. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the free gift of salvation. And dear God, I pray you'll help us to just never get caught up in these heresies and these works of the flesh, Lord. We, we never want to become just unfruitful, unproductive Christians. Help us to stand strong on these things. Help us to uh, not let the accus- fear of accusations cause us to maybe trim our message a little bit, but help us just to preach it like it's written in the Scriptures. And I pray you'll help us to be successful doing that and reaching others uh, with the truth. In your name we pray. Amen.